Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am your host, Mike Maroney, alongside McLean Boyd, Tom Strange, and Jay Woodson. We hope everyone had a good Memorial Day weekend. Thank you to all of our vets out there, active, retired. Uh, thank you for your service so we can sit around, get drunk, and talk golf. So we do appreciate that. Amen we are that. Yep. We are delaying this podcast a day just because of uh, uh, the holiday weekend. We're doing this on Tuesday night. So sorry for the delay for people who are just, just dying to get our podcast um, out today. We'll be a, a day late and we apologize, but thanks for hanging in there. Some of us were getting drunk last night and uh, just probably wasn't the best case scenario to be hopping on a podcast. So, you know, but you guys have a good weekend. We did, yeah. brother. We had a great weekend. How about you? It was good. You know, life of a golf pro. Worked all weekend. So, you know, I'm not the smartest guy. Chose a hall. You know, chose a, <laughs> a a job that works weekends, holidays, and early mornings. So, but you know, it's only so many things I can do. Pump gas and be a golf pro. That's about it. I mean, when you're when you're really good at something, that's what it is. But so, boys, let's uh before we get into some golf. We're talking about doing some different segments, not quite recurring exactly every week. We got time for some strange, which we'll get to in a little bit, but we're going to add some more, you know, as we go here, just to kind of feel it out and see how it goes. And we're going to try some things and if they don't work, they don't work. You guys can go screw. So, um, <laughs> but we I'm guarantee at least one won't work. Is that, is that yeah. One one's... will one, some, something will be a total flop. Yeah. Screw you. You say you guys can go screw it. Yeah. That, this this y'all say up north. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely gonna need a translation here. <laughs> I mean, if you guys down, you know, we never hear that you guys can go screw it. I'm trying to think how a southerner would say that, but that, I don't want to get off topic again already. But yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. you know, basically they would say bless your heart, you know, and well, that really means go screw. Touche. <laughs> well played. <laughs> So Touché, my friend, touche. I was I was reaching out to some listeners asking about our segments, and uh I got back a few times that they love it when we talk about what we're drinking. So segment number one, what's everyone drinking? McLean, we're gonna let you go first, always yeah. on this segment. We are back on the grapes. Hey, yes. back oh, on the grapes, God. the whole 2019 Pinot Noir. Uh, oh, you mean Pinot? Pinot? Oh, Pinot? Knower? Pinot Knower? You're younger. You know, you get used really to it. nice, lightly buttery, great finish. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> so, for all of our listeners, before we uh, actually started the podcast, McLean was yelling at us to get going as we were all shooting the shit, and he's like, "Come on, boys! I'm already halfway done with bottle one. I'm going to have to have bottle two soon." I was like, "You don't have to have bottle two no if you guys well, would shut the fuck up i wouldn't have to have bottle two You're exactly right it's not you it's not me it's you right exactly. <laughs> uh, well i'm I, i'm i haven't uh i haven't branched out much i'm, I'm back on the bullet um i'm jay, gonna buy you a couple bottles of what so anything just into the bullet i know i know jay what we had jay we had a little something this weekend that was pretty good um really um, we what do we what do we have this weekend? Oh, I just we went with the Woodford Double Oak, just a real yeah, standard that's good 
Well, so the, 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 the color of that good, was so, like it looked like uh, it was good. Yeah, well, you know, Woodford is probably the you know the staple of the premium you know, you know small small bear um small batch you know barrel proof kind of you know, uh, the bourbon craze. But they were the first. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of other companies that have um, you know put their mark on it, but you know, Woodford was was one of the first. But anyway, the double oaks. I walked into the ABC store. I was like, all right, we're gonna go. Uh, you know, get together at the at the the beach. I'm gonna get something you know nice. And I was looking around and trying to find something in the North Carolina ABC store, but didn't see anything. And walked up on this, uh, saw the Woodford Double Oaked, and it was only twenty nine dollars. And that sounds cheap for that. Holy cow! I was like, it's sixty bucks in Virginia. I was like, yeah, half really? price. So I asked the one of the gentlemen at the ABC store stop by as he was walking. He was like. He was like, can I help you with anything? I was like, can you tell me why this Woodford Double Oaks is only $29 when it's normally 60 bucks? He was like, hey, man, it's your lucky day. I was like, awesome. I was literally, <laughs> I grabbed three at first, and then I was like, that's going to look weird. Let me just let me just get two. Let me get 11. Yeah. So anyway. Can I, I get some food. cardboard? <laughs> Give me a box. Yeah. So I took two up and then uh, I'd got something, one other little thing. And I thought I was going to get in and out, you know, pretty quickly with at a low price. And then he rang everything up. He was like, you know, 187. And I was like, huh? whoa, 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 whoa. I was like, I thought this, this was, yeah, it's $29. I just, you know, you can see the bottle over the tag. And he walks over and he's like, ah, he's like, yep, sorry. He's like, one of my crew mislabeled that. And I was like, Okay. By law, they have to sell it to you for the advertised price. I was like, what? So are you just saying, hey, sorry, but I'm still going to give it to you for the $29? And he was like, no. He's like, it's it's 60 bucks. Oh, Not in the liquor so, in North Carolina, McLean. Yeah. yeah. There are no that was just there that was always the argument I had prepared. I didn't know if it was actually going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah. sounded good, though. Did you say it with confidence? It's all he matters. totally did. He had me. I was like, oh, snap. Okay, McClain, yeah. what do you do? Oh, well. I, so got one bo- I got one bottle. It was good. You know, uh, you know. It's good. It's not $60 worth. It's good. It's not $60 worth, you know, but at the same time, you know, everything else that was there was not, nothing was great. And I originally saw the price and I was like, oh, I'm going to get this to get two. And then when I was up there at the counter, he told me it was really 60 bucks. I was like, God, do I put both of these back and go back and look for something else or just put one back and just get the heck out of here? So that's what I did. It was good, though. What are you drinking? What am I drinking? Yeah. Actually, I am am, uh, pretty excited about this this bottle here. This is the uh, Elijah Proof, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof bottle that has come out here in 2021. It's the B five uh, twenty one batch. It is really good, really good. Nice. I mean, give me some, give me some notes. Like, give me some, like, do your best no, whiskey. No, 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 no that, that, whiskey. But we, I will, I will absolutely. So the Elijah Craig is one of the oldest distilleries, and they they arguably say that they were the inventors of bourbon. Whoa, that's there's no one, no one can prove that, but that's what they say. But I will say that. They are uh, they're extremely good at making really uh, you know high end higher proof 
uh, bourbons that has still retain a lot of the flavor and, and they're not so, so spicy. Those front notes that are so spicy where you can't even take a sip of it. But um, yeah, there it's, it's, this is a, this is a hundred, 118 proof bottle of bourbon. Um, that's, nice. you know, you take a sip normally you, you take something like that and you're, it's going to burn, burn you out, but it's got so much flavor and it's, it, it's, it's so quick. It hits the palate really quickly. And then after that, it's some really nice caramel vanilla notes that to finish the finish the bourbon off. It is, I don't know. It's one of my, any, any of the Elijah Craig barrel proofs are, are my favorites. You know, they've got a bunch that are super high, highly rated. So anytime I have a chance to get it, I, I get it. It's worth it. It's a little, it's a little pricey. I think it's probably like 60, 65 bucks, depending on where you are, but. If you have a chance to get it, you should you should do it for sure. As I do even hell even just your, the traditional Elijah Craig for twenty six bucks right. is uh, a great one for the for the price point um, for, for anyone that, looking out there. That, but that's typically you know, you know Mikey. That's uh, so I my love that. you too. Yeah, that's that's my go to. I mean any I mean you can get a you know a handle of the Elijah Craig and. It's a, it's a nice high end bourbon that you can make last for a long time, depending on depending on how uh, <laughs> how, much of a, how much of a degenerate you are. But you, you can make it last a long time because it's a really good sipping bourbon, and um, it's 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 really it's really high end, and they've perfected this over the last. You know, Is that the one that I found years. in your closet last time I was there that you were trying to hide that that I found? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. That one. That's that it. One. What are you drinking, yeah. Mikey? Uh, I'm doing a little Breckenridge Ooh. tonight. Oh, nice. Is it from little, What's that? Is it made in Breckenridge? I, I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. I, I just is. assume it is. Yeah. It says Rocky Mountains on the bottle, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Two for two there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's good. I, I wouldn't say it's great, but it's good. I made a little old-fashioned with it tonight. Um. Do you like your old-fashioned sweet? Like, how much? Or, like less sweet how much like what so i've i've gone to the lazy man's way of making old fashions there's a company out there called proof that makes like these old kind of pre-mixed old-fashioned mixes and i don't really do the whole measurement it's more of just a little bit of a uh, of a splash on top uh, because it can get really sweet if you put what they recommend so um just a little little flavor i got the maple bacon proof old fashioned mix which is just fantastic but so a little little uh little topper off of that um typically what i do when i get crazy i got the uh maybe we'll do it tom when you get here in a couple weeks we'll get the smoker out dude we'll do some what do you mean might do that so i've made like a a, (laughs) my homemade smoker (laughs) the back of my porch because mikey like we gotta you know when we get our um you know our youtube channel started here soon um We'll show you guys, but Mikey's got this like legit. It is amazing. It is. It looks like a sauna for your for your. Yeah, it's pretty much. Yeah, your, your glass. It's either it's, that or something Snoop Dogg would use for other things. But yeah, some people. Have, but you're, mine, basically, you're basically hot boxing uh, some old fashions. That's what yeah. you're doing. And you put ice. You put your ice cube in there. Is that what you said? Uh, no. Oh, you don't. I do. That I tried. Like, but I mine is ghetto. I've got like. I just bought some wood chips and I put them in a little pile on my like back porch 
I just take a lighter and a light and I just stick my glass. Yeah, you just, it. yeah. I, I got, I had that method first and then uh, shout out to one of our listeners and a, and a student of mine, Chuck Walter. He, uh, he uh, gave me a, gave me the smoker as a gift. Do oh, smoked wow. old fashions. He made a hole in one and bought me a gift for some reason. I'm not sure, but Chuck? Chuck's, Chuck's a great guy. And uh, I thank him very much. Great guy, Chuck. You don't quite understand how it works with the whole hole in one thing, but I like <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was like why am i getting gifts um but yeah so we'll, we'll break that out tom when you're here in a couple of weeks so but i guess let's uh let's get into some golf because it was a big week for the pod great week for the pod emergency oh. nine favorite the bullfrog jason kokrak Ribbit. gets it done at colonial uh charles schwab challenge beats jordan spieth kind of essentially in a two-man battle for most of the weekend. Um, some other guys were kind of lingering back there, but it was pretty much a, a two-man battle. But the Bullfrog, aptly named by Mr. Tom Strange, that we were now referred to him all the time. I had multiple texts from multiple listeners talking about the Bullfrog. So we're starting a movement, people. Our our goal is that we need someone to refer... If someone on the Golf Channel can at some point get this name and can refer to him as the Bullfrog on air... I consider this podcast a success. I think we need to incorporate Bullfrog into our next hat run for sure. As like a side logo. Yeah. Or a t-shirt or yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But um, it, Realistically going to the tournament real quick, you know, Jason Kokrak's one of those guys has been uh, playing well for a long time. He's been out on tour a lot longer than most people may know. And he went down the stretch with arguably one of golf's hottest players right this second in Jordan Spieth and someone who obviously has a lot of experience winning as well and has had a lot of success on tour. So in his hometown, uh, right? Kind of, kind of. No, yeah. No. I, I mean, close. Yeah. Got to give it to the guy. Um, he did it. Went out, won the golf tournament, um, dueled out Jordan Spieth on Sunday, and uh, you know, congrats to the Bullfrog, old top heavy Bullfrog, big fan. Big yeah, fan I mean, he top. hasn't he hasn't missed a cut since November. You know, he won back in the fall, which is technically considered that you know, with the whole wraparound season now this this year. So he's now the third multiple winner on tour with uh, Stu Sink and Bryson. But he's been playing really, really well. I mean, if you look back, even since February, it's a ton of top 10s, top 20s, just uh, solid. I, I'll be honest. I didn't watch a ton of it. I saw I didn't actually watch any on Sunday. I did see a good amount on Saturday working in the golf shop and, and a little bit uh, Thursday, Friday. But uh, yeah, the guy, he hits it solid, right? Obviously, he hammers it off the tee, kills the ball, but he puts it really well, too. It's kind of... You know, we talk. I know. I know. Jay putting doesn't matter. I know. I know. But well, no, no, no. That's not if you can hit true. it like that and put true. it like that. Then he's got a lot of. And I hate to use this analogy because I, I, I think very little of the person I'm about to name. But um, John Daly, right? A guy that I mean, Cook, right? They just they're known for their 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 power. But what we overlook sometimes is is their finesse and their touch. Um, and I think Kokrak's the same. I mean, John Daly, you know, was known for being the bomber, but you know, people will say that maybe some of the best hands that's ever played the game. Um, you know, he's still a piece of shit, but um, <laughs> but Kokrak, is, I, I mean, Kokrak is one of the top. I think he's one of the top putters on tour. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's number but, six in stroke game putting. Stroke game putting. Well, just I mean, yeah. one. Like this is not a bomber's golf course where he just won, right, Jay Bird? Not like, at all. He's no. like you got to really you got to. You got to know what your ball's doing. 
You know, that's a good, that's a great point. You know, there's certain courses that are, you know, courses are made for horses, certain ones that is. And frogs. uh, And frogs. But, you know, ideally everyone's like, oh, if if you're a bomber, then there's certain courses that will fit you. But on the contrary, sometimes if everything, you know, if this course aligns correctly, if you've got a really short golf course for a guy who bombs it, he takes less off the tee. He keeps it in play. And if he's a, if you couple that with a great short game, those guys, you know, they will do really well. And and I feel like this is kind of one of those situations. I mean, he was able to hit up, you know, a bunch of two irons and, you know, three woods off the tee, which he still hammers. I mean, we played, you know, I know we talked about this earlier, but uh, uh, Jason and I played, you know, a bunch when he first got on, on, uh, I shouldn't say on tour when he first turned pro, he playing some of the mini tours and stuff like that. We played, I mean, a dozen, couple dozen times um, when he first, first couple of years he was out, he was doing the, what used to be the Tar Heel tour, uh, the Hooters tour, which is the NGA swing thought. It's changed things a bunch of, time, bunch of times, but he was out there playing all those. How old uh, is he? How old is he, Jay? I'm sorry. Jason's probably 35 or six. He's 36. Yeah, my age. Yeah, yeah. But He's my age, you know, I will say, you know, he is um, he's a confident guy. You know, again, we've talked about this on on multiple podcasts for these guys that either you love him or you hate him. He's a confident guy. He believes in himself. I mean, I, honestly, we played. I, I know at least a dozen times together, and every single time that I played with him, he told me how he had multiple scholarship offers in multiple sports. So I know, you know, you can take that for what it is, but he, he's a confident guy. Like he believed that he was going to be play basketball in college or golf from college or football in college, whatever it was he had, he had the opportunity to do it. And who wants to interpret that? Mike, you want to interpret what Jay just said? Because I think he just called him a cocky. You know. Yeah, the, the, the passive aggressive southerner just yeah. called him a cocky I mean, asshole. And we know, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I can't, we can't call a, someone a cocky asshole if, if why can't you, you feel like if you feel like you do the same thing. <laughs> well, you're a cocky asshole too. Uh, I guess, so. but I mean, I got along with Coke Crack. He was, I mean, yeah, there was times where he was like, all right, all right, here he goes. It's a little over the top, but. I don't know. I like it. The guy was confident. He's a big guy. He's 6'4", 225. He's a big dude. And he's confident in his ability. He's from Ohio. And it's just like that. What's that? It's where he wears skinny jeans. Bullfrog. I don't think he does it on purpose. I just think he's got skinny legs. That's how he's built. That's how he's built. That's how he's built. He's built like a bullfrog. I mean, you just got to roll with it. You know? You just got to own it. You know? Wearing that. Uh, Murray Brothers shitty clothing he wears, and <laughs> you know those guys probably had to just pay out a big bonus. And they're like, uh, we don't really have this yeah. company makes no money. You know that, right? Like everybody knows. <laughs> if you if you go back and watch some old old videos of Kokrak, watch his. I mean, it's kind of crazy. We're getting into some more technical stuff, but when he first got on tour, watch him uh, hitting his driver and some of the long irons and three woods. He would do, he, and he hit it a long way. It was he's not, he's kind of like a JB Holmes kind of guy. Not a real long backswing, kind of short, keeps it right where he needs it to be. 
and real good body movement, really good sequencing, uh, lower body clears and upper body lags behind all the things that you would want from a big guy to smash it. But watch it or any guy or, or any guy, anyone that's, you know, got any type of skill, but, um, he watches left foot. He would really to try to clear and get out of the way. He'd really let that left foot slide out of the way. And he doesn't do that as much anymore. He still gets that left hip clearing out of the way really well, it. though. He gets it's, it. I mean, watch his practice swings. He would actually make practice swings and then step open with this with this left side to really have it clear. I mean, I love I love that movement as like a drill to teach people. You know, if you've got a beginning golfer who who does not know how to use their body appropriately, that's a cool drill to get them to turn and clear and and have their hands kind of. Well, he still you know, makes like, he, he doesn't move his foot, but he still makes that rehearsal with the pretty exaggerated. Oh yeah, left 100%. hip clearing and move. Um, and when he, when he's making those rehearsals, yeah, he he hit it solid. I mean, I'm going to give him credit. Um, he he was a solid ball striker. He hit it a long way, and uh, I mean, I he was a good putter. He was an average putter. I would have I would have ranked myself ahead of him, but you know, what good is so that? So you'd so you'd be top five in stroke scan putting then. Oh, is he that high? Well, then maybe he's, num- should- he's number six stroke gains putting. So I knew he was a good. I knew he was good, but I shouldn't rank myself that high. I mean, top I'll six. Be, I'll be the answer. Well, how did, yeah, how did, how did you put it about about Jason? How he was very confident. Jay, you're very confident in your putting. I mean, hey, you got you got to latch onto something. It's not long irons or mid irons. I mean, you got to know, you gotta know what you're good at. Oh, you mean hybrids? Oh, you mean yeah. <laughs> And I, I, I pulled I up my four iron the other day, and I was like, why am I hitting this? Like, why am I – why do I even have this in the bag? I, I do have phenomenal clubs that are From a brand really good. It may get super easy to hit, but, you know. From I, a three-letter brand that we can't – but – um, I mean, they're Coke extreme. Coke Rack may, may or may not play the same irons. Yeah. In, they're extreme. I think yeah, the same brand our host is on staff with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Multiple actually, Coke, speaking of uh, a little equipment thing, Coke racked first week with a new set of irons and he wins. Oh, what irons did he go with? He went with the newest model. Um, I don't know what a different word is for generation, but the newest model. Can we talk about that a little bit like that. Yeah. The, what I mean, did he go? So he went. He's, he's, a, he's a he's what they call a, a hashtag PXG troop. And he just put in the, the Gen 4. Irons. I think it was the first week that he played. Did he with go them. with the Gen Four Ts, or did he did he throw a yes, combo of the Super Ts? No, I'm pretty sure it was Gen Four Ts. Super T. First week goes out and wins. So uh, talk about that. Like that's because you know. Oh, I feel like most of the time, all you hear in the media was when a guy changes clubs is, oh, you know, it was oh he made a mistake or he shouldn't have done that. But you know, you didn't hear anything about that. that you right. So they need to call that out because that's not easy to do. To, I mean, it, now granted, it, he was with staying a, with the same manufacturer. It wasn't like he was Justin Rose yeah. going from TaylorMade to Hanma and then sucking ass. But if they were, if they yeah, were that, so, if they but, were so similar, then why make it? So there must have been something. Anyway, it obviously worked out pretty well for no, him. Yeah, Froggy. That's no, that's a good point. I mean, anytime you put any new club in the pl- in play, it really shapes everything differently. So it, it's it's harder to to look at it when you place it down in front of you. Oh, totally. It's harder to look at it. Especially when you go to the gun, like think about it. like you know, yeah. you get on the seventeenth tee, or you got a eight iron from the rough on seventeen. You got a one shot lead, and yeah, at your point, you're not yeah. used to them. You're but like 
I don't know. You got to have that trust in a new set for sure. Not easy. So here's, here's, I got a, I got a question for our uh, club fitting guru, our technical guru here. Why is, so I'm looking at Jason Kokrak's walks in the bag. Why are all these guys going to seven woods? He's got a seven wood in the bag. Yeah. It's quite simple. Really? The, the thing that there's such a stigma about high lofted fairway woods and quite frankly, high lofted hybrids. And with the modern golf ball, it couldn't be a, a better thing. I mean, quite, I have to understand it as these guys see the advantage in being able to take a club and generate more spin and higher launch and ultimately land it softly on a green, especially if you look at a tour player's bag and, you know, one of the, one of the distances that I feel like the better player takes advantage of. And I, I think it, and even may not even just say just the distance, it's more of the situation. And I've always said it's the tee shot on a long par three, second shot in on a par five and the second shot in on a long par four. So we're talking about our upper end of the bag, our long irons, our fairway woods, our hybrids. If you look, the next skill up always takes better advantage of those three situations. And most often in a tour pro scenario at the absolute best, right? So that's where these guys have realized having that little bit of higher lofted fairway wood makes it much easier for me to get the ball up in the air, land the ball on the green and control it once it lands. Nowadays with the modern ball, it spins a lot less than what the Bellatos and wound golf balls of years, you know, many years past now. Obviously, we've been in the solid golf ball age for a long time now. But as even the solid golf ball has progressed, it spins less. So now with these guys being able to take that golf ball and launch it to orbit, which allows them to really optimize a golf ball that spins less, that it, you you basically fight that with higher launch, and that gives you the optimal distance reached. Yeah. But they now have seen say, well, I can try to hit a two iron or I can try to hit a three iron, but man, this seven was fun and I can hit it to the moon. I can land it and drop it on top of a pin from two forty-five. But my question to you, Mac is why can I call you Mac? Can we, can we, can we do that? Absolutely. Okay. Why, why not? Why not a hybrid? I feel like these guys, they go seven wood and they don't go hybrid where most amateurs go hybrid. So, so what, what's there? Make thing? a great point. You make a great point. And this is something that do. is not a proven fact by any stretch of the imagination. But I will say I have always found that it's much easier to work a fairway wood than it is to work a hybrid. I feel like hybrids are designed to produce one shot and it's a good shot. And this is my personal belief. Some guys could e- easily totally argue and say that, no, I can work my hybrid just as well as anything. I personally have not seen that in, in, in my own personal experience Hybrids i are good. work my fairway wood and that's why i play a five wood all the way down to a four driving iron in my bag uh, i don't have any hybrids but i have that extra fairway wood in the five wood versus the 19 hybrid because i feel like i have a better chance to manufacture a golf shot with that five wood now again that's personal belief i'm not saying that that's a proven statistic but it is something to take into consideration once you start seeing these guys going to a high lofted uh, fairway wood because the equivalent would really be a four hybrid and i think you have a little bit more length with that seven wood and i think you can ultimately create a little bit more i hesitate to say control because I, 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 length would normally argue against that but i think it becomes more of a familiarity feeling where you're more comfortable and confident standing up over that versus a short four hybrid but i think you're a hundred percent i mean like i don't know for for a fact but i 
I have to believe you're right because you don't see any hybrids out there. I mean, you see very few hybrids on tour, right? Like think about it. they you got guys with seven woods. There's probably more seven woods at that elite, you know, that top level. There's probably more seven woods than are hybrids. You think is that safe I would say point? it's I'd say it goes driving iron to like like you said, like a high like a five five wood or a seven wood. You know, that's there's no, there's very few hybrids. It's like driving iron, they made them so they made them so easy to hit and they but they still have the look and the higher uh depth of a, of an iron, but would just look at a bigger back, easier to hit, and or you go to a, the wood shape. I mean, it's, I think it's a personal preference, but that that hybrid just doesn't seem to fit anyone. Like, I don't. No one seems to really like it. I mean, I I tried to use it for probably five to seven years, and just was it. I'm just going to go back and hit my two iron off the tee, or I'm going to hit a five wood. Like, I just never had the control that I wanted. Didn't get the height that I wanted. Nothing really worked with it. So I'll say there's more hybrids out there than you would think. There's more hybrids than seven woods. I'll say that right now. Yeah. But there, if you look, the tour players hybrids normally a 17 or 19 degree, pretty much the highest loft, anywhere between those three degrees. You're not going to see much outside of that. There's not going to be 15. You're not going to have um, 20 plus degree. That Those two lofts are really, or those three lofts, uh, in that 17, 18, 19 range are, are going to be the majority of what you see, kind of covering for a two iron distance. That's not real life for the average player because they don't create enough speed to take a two iron hybrid and launch it high enough that you can actually generate proper gapping with it. Um, and that's where I think at the same time, it's a story where if you look back, I mean, even at Tiger, you know, he's always historically thrown an extra wood in the bag. I don't think we've ever yeah. really seen him with a hybrid. I, I, I'm i not oh, going to stand by that like, and say 100% certainty because you're, you're right. Have tested I don't ever remember it. There. I don't but we saw five woods in the bag a lot with him. And I don't know if that's one of those feelings of where, hey, you know, we're really used to hitting, um, we're really used to hitting fairway woods and hybrids, introducing a totally new feeling. Um, for some guys, I think the learning curve is much smaller than others. But I do think that, to me, the fairway wood has always brought a comfort feeling. It's always felt like a club that I can kind of work either way and flight when needed. So, all right. So I'm going to make a comment and I'm going to throw it to Mikey and both of you. Because would you say then that the, you know, the average amateur, good player, you know, you know, mid handicap, whatever, is he better served to have a five or seven wood opposed to a hybrid? To both of you, you and Mike. Well, so in, in theory, I mean, people play hybrids because they're easier than long irons. And people, uh, a fairway wood is easier than a hybrid, right? It's a bigger face. The center of gravity is lower. It's further away from the face. It's going to be easier to hit up in the air. McLean? So here's my thought process behind that. This is how I've always fit for it. That transition takes place when we're not creating the proper carry gapping. So once we get up there and you're looking at the difference between just say a three iron and a five wood, and this is where I go back and this is where my entire train of thought comes back from this. Take the driver and the three wood out of the equation. Okay. Over 90% of every shot hit with every other club in the bag is into a green. Would you agree with that? Yes. So the biggest thing that we want to create is the ability to land a ball on the green and stop it on the green. Keep it there, right? Yeah, exactly. You want to be able to land a ball on a green and stop it on the green. So right. that's really where it comes to whether or not we're making the right decision. There is, Mikey, you're exactly right. And a lot of guys are playing hybrids and hybrids became popular because they were more forgiving alternative. 
but that doesn't mean that it was necessarily the correct alternative. It was definitely better than maybe a three or four iron, but it may not have been as good as a seven or nine would, for example. Um, I'm not saying you know, those are exactly correct, but you, you get where I'm going with that. You know, it may not have been as good as a higher lofted fairway would. Right. So looking back at it, when you go and you're, if you're being fit properly and you're, you're working with someone that knows what's going on, everything outside of a driver and a three wood is based off of a carry distance and creating the proper gapping on a carry distance, because our goal is to put every club in your bag or at least as many as possible. Um, and for some players, as you lose speed, that does become more difficult because we're not able to create the amount of trajectory and spin that we need to hold greens as well as we once did. Um, but in the scenario where we can, we want to make sure that we can land every ball on the green and stop it on the green. So that's our total goal. And that's where if I've got a guy and we're looking at a five wood or a three hybrid, we're going to look at the trajectory. We're going to, um, so launch angle, spin, right, uh, land angle, peak height, um, a myriad of other factors as well, but I'm really focused on what that trajectory and spin rate is to where are we creating a ball that the landing angle is somewhere in the range of 50 degrees and it has the ability to actually land and stop on a green. A lot of people think the land angle needs to start coming down with some of these lower lofted clubs. And it does in certain instances, but when the ball is coming into a green, I don't care what club it's with. It needs to come in and land in some, in a similar fashion. If we're going to be able to control that golf ball, once it actually makes contact with the earth. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I do way less fittings than McLean does, but when I teach and when I, when I am doing fittings, I think people, amateurs have a stigma of what, the loft is or what the number on the bottom of the club says, right? To me, and I had this conversation with a student the other day, we were, we were working on um, fitting for some, for some clubs at, at the high end of the bag. And it has nothing to do with a loft is or what the number on the club is. It's, it's about the carry distance. How are we? So what is his longest iron? Your, your, your driver. And then you're fitting however many clubs you can relative to how many wedges you have in that area of the bag. And you're just trying to fill gaps to get there. People think, oh, I have a five iron, so now I need a four hybrid. Well, no. How far are you carrying that four hybrid? Yeah. Maybe you need a three hybrid. Maybe you need a seven wood. Maybe they just don't get caught up in what the number on the bottom of the club says. It's how far result. you can carry it. You need to look more at the end result. Yes. You know, almost these many, well, you can't do it because everybody's different. But like, look, you know, so I'll quickly say this and I have another thing. But, you know, for our listeners out there, like I've been around this game a long time and I've learned. I've learned a lot from being a part of this podcast, you know, just from like what, from listening to McLean and Mikey, not you, Jay, you know, you, you know, I've been around you forever, but anyway, I'm just going to learn anything. I'm just, no, but look, look, no, this weekend we talked putting, you and I, we talked putting for 30 minutes. We, we did not touch a club and Jay helped me with my putting without hitting a putt, just the psychology of it. And just like McLean was saying, so it's like, I think that that's, you know, there's there's a huge population of the golfing public out there that just I don't say they have bad information, but they just they, they're they're maybe looking at it through the wrong lens. Does that make yeah, sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of and, and McLean touched on it with you know some slower speed players. They can't get the ball in the air, and so I, I'm sure McLean has done this at some point. But I've done it a lot with guys. They come to me slower swing speeds. I need a three wood. No, I'm not putting a three wood in your hand. Can't sell you one. Won't can't sell it. you one. You're not going to carry it. You don't hit it high enough in the year. You're this is a guy that is probably hitting it into some par fours, right? Because he's not, he's a slow speed player. He can't hit it that far. I've done more five woods with like three wood length shafts 
yeah. they hit it way further than got more loft. Is that right? Yeah, because you got to call it 18 degrees aloft, whatever the company may be. You know, roughly well, 15, 18 companies. Give so that you is his three wood, though, right? That yeah, is, that's his three correct. wood. And we'll certain it. companies give you the ability to flatten out the setting. So it basically allows you to equate for that additional length. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's fascinating. Juniors are no, they're the same. You know, they have kind of like what you're talking about, Mike. They get a lot of clubs that go the same distance because they just don't have the speed yet. So when you add add some of that loft um, to some of those longer clubs, now they can differentiate between, you know, their five wood and their seven wood or their, you know, five iron. You know, that makes a big, big difference. Yeah, I think for, for seniors, for juniors, for women, typically, typically, I know I'm stereotyping here, that have slower swing speeds. They don't need 14 clubs. They probably huh. need 10. Hell, we don't uh, need. I, I don't disagree need with that. I, I disagree with that. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I disagree with that entirely. If you're allowed to have 14 <laughs> tools, put 14 tools in your bag. Because even though your swing slows down and you might not have as much as your gaps may be 50 yards and 60 yards, 70 yards and 80 yards, because we're not creating as much speed, but you're still able to go out and make a consistent full swing and put the same thing. It's just like if you're hitting your pitching wedge 120 and your nine iron 130, eight iron 140. It's the same thing. Their range just starts early, but it's still earlier in the yardage game. Um, but it still gives them the ability to make that normal golf swing. And there's no reason you should never not have 14 clubs in your bag. If you don't I mean, have 14 clubs in your bag, you're literally just giving up an opportunity to have a specialized tool for a certain situation, especially um, around the greens. The most, the average player doesn't have enough wedges in their bag. And it's baffling to me because you're going to hit 60% of all your shots outside of putts or inside of 120 yards. So, yeah, but on that on that note though, you're 100 right. But like, I put a fifth. So I've always carried. I went pitching wedge, you know, 54, 58. That was my thing. And then now it's all these lofts have gotten so strong. So I've gotten I've, my clubs. I got them bent two degrees weak because I just I could. They, everything was going so far. I was just I couldn't get used to hitting seven. Like I couldn't figure out. So I got to bend everything weak to what I was used to. Me and Tiger. He told me, I called him. I was like, well, Tiger. I play one week. I play one week, but for me, the reason that I play one week is because I needed a little bit of extra launch and spin. What? So I actually hit the together. ball farther. I actually you hit the ball farther by adding a degree of loft. No, but I'm saying so, I, sudden, so, so. Then I put this 50 in. I'm like, all right, I want this because I got this gap now. I'm like, I just I'll put this 50 in. Why? You know, I've never, I've never, never had a 50 in the bag. So we. I, I always go around it. So that time I get it, my, people are like, hey, how far does that go? I'm like, I have no idea. I've hit it like, I've had it in my back for 18 months. I've hit it twice. Yeah. <laughs> it's, great around, it's, it's great for a little bump and run. No, but, but at the end of the day, Max. But it's, it's different, but Tom, you know, you're, you're, you're right. Elite. But I'm just messing around. You're right. No, no, you're good. But here's the thing. You're an elite level player. And I've always looked at it as an elite level player or a professional or a high amateur, the better player you are, you're going to be able to manufacture any club. And that's where it all comes back to. I'm not good enough to be club fit. That is the most, the biggest crock of shit I've ever heard of, because quite frankly, a, a, the better player you are, the easier it is for you to manufacture a golf shot with any club you put in your hand. If you give Jay right now a set of senior flex clubs, you're going to tell me he still can't break 80? 
Yeah, I'll kiss your ass. So figure out a way to get it done, right? Great Just like point, Tiger Woods a set of clubs that weren't right for him. He's not going to shoot 90 because of it. However, if you hand a beginner a set of clubs who doesn't have the ability to manipulate his golf swing as, as easily, all he has point. is what he brings yeah. to the table, the one swing that he has. He needs to have clubs that allow him to maximize his abilities with that one swing. That's the difference. You know, and that's what this show is all about. Like that. I mean, that's, I I know that sounds silly, but I mean, really, that's, what's cool about this. Like I'm learning shit. Excuse me. That, I mean, this is, I mean, it's cool stuff. Like you're, you're, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like, you know, the guy, the people who need to be fit are the higher handicaps because they're going to really be able to maximize uh, the fitting process. The, both will, but the margin, you know, the, the separation between someone who doesn't get fit for a high, higher handicap player is going to be greater than it is for a lower handicap player. I just feel like the, in terms of we're talking the margins like, hey, I just I got fit. I'm going to shoot, uh, you know, a quarter of a stroke lower than the guy who didn't get fit. But as a higher handicap player, if you get fit properly, my mind is blown. Then, like, then I mean, your, your scores can go two, three strokes better. People people like when we argue, so I'm going to go back to the point. I do still disagree with McLean that low-speed players don't need 14 clubs because they don't create enough speed where if you're hitting a driver 150 yards, you're not having 10-yard increments. You're having two-yard increments. But it doesn't matter, especially if they're a higher handicap player. They need to be able to just pick a club and make the same golf swing. That's what's going to be simplest to them. And at the same time, there's yeah, but no these some of these some of these students I work with them all the time. They don't know what to hit because they have three clubs that go the same distance. Sounds, so like, what's the what's like the point of having be, three clubs? Well, that go the same sounds like they need to be coached up a little bit and and put a little focus on what distances they're hitting their irons. That that would be what no, I would. I do just told I you what distances are in their irons. You're hitting three from the same fucking distance. <laughs> How are they hitting three? One. It really doesn't matter, does it? I'd probably lean towards a little bit of club fitting if if I were in your shoes. <laughs> yeah, Let, let's change oh. out. Why are they hitting three clubs the same distance? Because if you're swinging, because clubs, they don't have speed. If you hit a driver 150 yards and you only have you have 14 clubs, you're down to 10 yards. You're down to if they go, they don't hit it that far, McLean. Like it doesn't matter if you're if you're if you're hitting your lowest. Hold on, if you hit a driver yards, 150 yards, what do you hit from? What do you hit from in the fairway at like 137? Exactly. I can't get it there, guys. I'm laying I'm saying Sorry, it makes, they, they it have, makes no need... sense not to carry 14 clubs. You're allowed to do it. You are like allowed out. to do it. You know what? I, this is going to sound terrible, but I agree with both of you guys. This is it, not the we wanted. We wanted this fighting factor, but I, I understand 100 percent agree with Mike that as the the you know that's like driving NASCAR with a hundred less horsepower. Well, but you're but McLean, have, you're right. Like if you but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 400 because, no, you know, I, I agree know, with Mikey. I feel like that's all I need. I feel like that's all I need. No, but so it, there's, gonna, there's, there's golfers out there that are that are because, overwhelmed. They don't know what club to hit. They don't know how far they go. And legitimately, I have worked with students that hit two, three clubs about the same distance. We're talking four yards. What the hell is the difference with four Gaps yards? Gaps are smaller. Gaps are smaller. Let the guy have a little confidence. And you, if you, if it were me, I would also work with him around the greens to utilize all those different lofts. It's you probably know, like a six and a seven. Different right, ways right? that he can do that and six chipping and seven, around right. the greens. 
don't, don't uh, trust me. I know how to fucking teach chipping, so don't get me started there. But all the lofts available, right? No, you know, I'm you, sorry. Like they're just if there's four yards in between three yards in between clubs, there's no point of having them. There's no point of having them. And the mass hole minute brought to you by emergency. Nine well, there's just no point of having it. <laughs> they're not it's incredible. incredible. Hey, they have four yards in between clubs. They're not good yeah. enough. You you stick to teach it. I'll stick perfectly. to the. I'll stick to the club. You stick to teach it. I'll stick it, to the club. Okay. Two seven iron. No, you your role. No, you role. I do know my role. <laughs> I fucking know my role, and I know clubs too, pal. Four yards <laughs> for some of these people doesn't make a difference. I'm sorry. So you guys, for our listeners out there, cannot see Mikey's face, but it is red. Yeah, <laughs> but yes. hold on. Just before you guys chime in, just let me say this. You're you're right. When the margins get really tight, it almost gets confusing for some of the you know higher handicap players or players that don't have a lot of speed. But I do see where it's like if you've got the opportunity to use every club. Okay, let's not maybe look at what the traditional you know, four through pitching wedge and then three, like if you've got to have a 13 wood, then get a 13 wood. As long as it makes your gaps, if you can use them for a specific purpose, even if they go the same distance, I mean, look at Phil Mickelson. I don't know if this is a great idea, but you know, a driver that is a cut driver or a, a, a hook driver, the clubs are there, not just for distance. They're there for shots. You know, if you have a shot that you hit differently, if it's two putts, Two putters, you're like, hey, I can, I hit my draw putts with this putter, or I hit my hook or my cut putts with this putter. If you've got a specific shot and you can gain an advantage, you've got to use all 14 clubs. Um, I, I agree with that, but you, you know, you're, McClan's just talking like this because he's a club salesman, so he's not trying to sell 10 clubs to someone. He's trying to sell 14 to someone. They're going to have them in the bag, but they're not. Has literally nothing to do with it. You're going to. I'm actually trying to make golfers better and make it easier for them to play around a golf because they get overwhelmed. On the golf course, they don't know well, what they're it doing. It would certainly be easier for I them agree. if they didn't have to try to manipulate one club in I'm three not, different situations, and they had a specialized tool. It, for there's each no such situation thing as manipulating when they're when they're just, that it short. It just sounds it just sounds too easy, right? It just makes sense. <laughs> okay, children, children, everybody, put your heads down. All right. Well, we've come to the agreement that I'm I'm right there. <laughs> This is great. Uh, I guess I didn't get a vote. <laughs> it was th- it was three to one. It was pretty much three to one, I think, because Tom agreed oh, with yeah, me. That's what it sounded like. No, but you know what? That was beautiful. I loved all of it. Jesus, I loved it. That is um, good. That is good. Stuff. Yeah, and and I'm the asshole because I'm from Boston, but this guy is just you know fucking choir boy over here. <laughs> Bless your because he was born in the South. Just because where he was born. Well, now you're taking that easy now. Okay, well, let's move on. So move on, everybody. Kiss and make up. No, we're good. Okay, I need you both to say one nice thing about each other. No, oh, fuck that. Mango. Say something <laughs> nice about Mikey. Not after that. I mean, I, I was almost going to say like he drives the ball decent sometimes. Yeah, then, see, like exactly. Then, like exactly. Passive aggressive. You know, but then that's where we get. That's where we get. You can fuck that. Yeah. Because I knew where this was going. Yeah. I preempted that. <laughs> All right, let's get let's get back to co-crack real fast. Yeah, <laughs> that, seven wood. that was entertaining hey. for one of the hosts on the show. Hold on, just a Jesus. little snippet of time for some strange. Hey, Kokrak, your seven wood started this, and it might be the end of a friendship. Okay, <laughs> no, no. So, Jason, it's your fault. Hey, hey, I didn't, I didn't end the friendship a few weeks ago when I could have. So, we'll just leave it at that. What? <laughs> okay, what yeah. happened? 
<laughs> you don't you don't remember, but I can play back the audio. Okay. Anyway, anyway, back to Jason Kokrak. I think the fact that he won at Colonial is beautiful. He looked great in that plaid jacket. That is a lot of plaid. Oh, that's gross. That's a lot of plaid. Like you could make how many couches could you make out of that plaid? That is gross. <laughs> we had a couch like that when I was growing what up. I, what I wanted to bring up about Kokrak. <laughs> does he make the U.S. Ryder Cup team? Where, where does he stand, Mikey? He's 13th in points. Won twice this year. I mean, you look at some of these guys ahead of him. I'll, Billy Horschel. I'll take him ahead of Billy Horschel. Hell yeah. Uh, Patrick Reed. Patrick Reed hasn't done shit in how long? Uh, I'll take him ahead of Patrick Reed. And Patrick Reed's a cancer on the team. What? Um, has Coe has, has Crack played like any? I know he hadn't been on the road. You take him over Patrick Reed. Like, I, I think Patrick Reed is a piece of shit, but I pick him every time. Because he wins yeah. at the he wins. Radical I mean, he, he he's he's got the game for it. He's got the personality for it. But Kokrak, What if uh, uh, Patrick Reed? You're right. I mean, he's that kind of player. But what if all, all his, he's what the player his teammates you gamble on? He's not the player you pull for. No. Yeah, you're right. Maybe his teammates. He's a bad. Like he's a he's a he's a cancer. Yeah. Do all his teammates hate him? Right. Yeah. So like. Yeah, but he wins. Yeah, I mean, but, I don't. If I, I were if I were playing with Patrick Reed, if I somehow miraculously got on the Ryder Cup team and they said, "Hey, you're on if you play with Patrick Reed," I'm like, of course, there's a no brainer. But the dude wins. Like you know, you got to put one of those things. It's one of those things that you web. you put you yeah, put all, all of your differences aside when you're. I mean, you guys all play team sports. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you guys know the drill. You play with guys that you didn't like prior you know outside of the sport that you were playing but like anybody when you're but when you're when you're paired with a guy who has the same goal in mind to win at all costs and for Patrick Reed sometimes it may mean stretching some rules but if you were paired with him you knew you you knew you had that you had something in common it was to win you know and you gotta respect you you gotta respect a guy for that you know it's like hey you know what if I'm paired with Patrick yeah I don't I'm not gonna hang out with the guy outside of this The guy wants to win. I'm cool with but, it. I'm, hey, Bert, are you going to so hear my take though? But you get paired with him, are you going to be like, "Hey, uh, look there, look here, um, Sneaky Pete"? Like, are you going like, you can do what you want to do in your time, but like, you know, we're playing four ball together. Don't be touching anything because I don't no. want to go down with you. You know, because I will call you down. Like, you're, you're right. There's something like, to be said for that. You know, he's got a reputation of of stretching the rules, and and you know, you don't want to be a part of that. You don't want to be associated with it because it, it it messes with some of these guys. So when their do they brand as uh, Bryson has has alluded to in the past? But you're, you're right. You know, but uh, he hasn't so I, really done anything in like that in, in the Ryder Cup or President Cup President yeah. Cup setting. But he also so like just looking at it strictly, Coke rack versus. Patrick Reed, what has Reed done this year? He hasn't really played well, right? So if I'm the captain right now, you're only getting only six automatic guys qualify. So, so yeah, you're getting Reed, six captain's picks. Six and six. Is that what it's gone to? God. For this year. Then they changed it because of the whole COVID thing, and they pushed it back a year. It's like eight and four after this, right? Yes, I think so. Um, when did they make – do we know when they make the uh, the teams official and then they make the picks? Uh, I can probably find that. I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sorry, it's like August, so we got little time. But it's like it's like it's like beginning of September. Yeah, I think Kokrak could be a great. He could be. Here's the thing: we he's got the you know the little bit I know about him and just from watching him, like he could be one of those guys. Get him on a team, and he could be a a 
perennial? No, no. What's the word? No. Yeah, you got it. You got it. Yeah. He could be like, he could be one of those guys that just fits, right? Like they get on that and they're a great team player. They love the atmosphere. You just never know. He's a bit, like you said, he's a multiple sport athlete, which I think guys that have been in uh, team atmospheres, I think that is a benefit in the Ryder Cup because you got a lot of these guys like Jordan Spieth. My boy Jordan Spieth never played a team sport other than golf. Let's be honest. That guy probably never played Little League Baseball. But um, so, but then you get the other guys that, you know, have like the Dustin Johnsons of the world who've played basketball, played football, whatever it might be, they 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 understand that team dynamic a little bit more than some others. Yeah. Is that am I crazy? I mean, no, I, I've seen it. I've been in the room. You're absolutely correct. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. correct. The, 100%. I, and think I, I was in the Especially range. the Europeans and the um the guys from the uh oh best way to Great Britain and Ireland. Those guys really seem to gel well together. I mean, obviously, we talk about the European team in general, and they all seem to really do well together. Um, no disrespect to anyone outside of the Great Britain and Ireland continent. Um, but at the end of the day, they seem to do really well, gel well together. Um, oh, yeah. But right. one thing I, I, I did want to say is something that pops into my mind, and I don't know why I, I, I think of them this way, but am I totally off base in thinking that Kokrak is the American leashman? No, totally agree. Like good analogy. Totally agree. So you're basically you're saying yeah. that Leishman is a European bullfrog. He's an Australian bullfrog. Australian it bullfrog. It wouldn't be a bullfrog. It would be more of like a toad, maybe. <laughs> kangaroo. He's a kangaroo. I don't oh, know. oh. He's, He's got a little joey. Okay, got a little joey pouch, pouch up front. Now we're borderline. Oh, just... the joey pouch, not the hammock. Come on, hammock. Oh, yeah. so shout out. TJ. Uh, <laughs> um, Anyways, it's an interesting debate for the, how old for the Ryder Cup. How, how old? 36. Remember? Oh, he's, he's 36. My age. Okay, we talked. Um, yeah, we talked about that. But it's an interesting debate. Also, we got a we got a handful of months left. It's just to see him all the way up in 13th now. Obviously, two wins is going to help that. Um, he's played. He's played really well. I mean, he's I mean, played well. So it's 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 with this many captains picks, it's going to be interesting to see what they do, and we can. We can get to that down the road, but he's definitely a front runner. Uh, that would be. A, I, I, I don't say that. I don't say that lightly. I mean, I, you know, it's it's not easy to be a front runner. I mean, he he feeds off of that positive energy. He's a positive guy. He believes in himself, and and when other people start believing believing in him, um, he he'll he'll ride it. So it would it would not surprise me if he had a hell of a finish to twenty twenty one and. Um, you know, qualify for the Ryder Cup or had a some a great finish in the U.S. Open or the British Open wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, because he, he, he won't miss the cut in the British Open. You want some of that? He misses, yeah. Cut. I mean, I, I, I would gladly take that. I mean, I, I would, I will always favor, even in a new setting, I will always favor a guy who's who's riding high. Um, because you just you're you, the golf is. You, these guys play so much on their past memory and their past mindset. And I mean, again, we talk about Tiger Woods, Dustin Johnson, Rory, these guys who, you know, arguably are the best players in the game. And they just, one, they've done it already because they're talented, but two, they've done it. They keep doing it because they, they keep doing it because they've already done it. So 
it's cyclical. It keeps it keeps going and going and going. Amazing how that like, brain works that way, right? Like yeah, the brain I mean, they, they, they play well in the tournament, and, and maybe they play well the first time in the tournament because they're super talented, and then the next time they play well, it's because they they have uh, great memories of when they played well prior. So, I mean, that's what that's the way that golf works. I mean, you have to be great at uh, blocking out those bad memories, but really pulling up those great memories and Tiger's great at it uh jack nicholas is great at it i mean we've all heard the the quote when you know they asked jack when was the last time he three putted the 18th hole and he was like i i, I don't think I, I don't care i can't remember i've never three putted the 18th hole which is an absolute fallacy of course he has uh but he doesn't remember it so in the end of the day you know that's that right there that statement jay is like you could really deep down yeah. There's some there's some psychologists that could like and that's yeah. beautiful and I love that right. Yeah. Ian Baker Finch, remember when you know at Burkdale first hole Burkdale out of bounds is right there and yeah. um you know Ian Baker Finch you know won there and then he was back playing years later and he goes I shit I didn't even know there was out of bounds over there mm-hmm. right like and it was right there I mean it is hugging that side yeah um that just goes to show you. anyway so yeah so. A couple of things real fast. We're, we're getting, you know, McLean's idiotic 14 club thing got us way behind here. But um, <laughs> the host doing bows. So and remember, McLean, I can mute you. So just be careful what you say. Um, <laughs> Tony Reale. I know. We, we need to start doing yeah. a little scoreboard yeah. here. That'd be I'm awesome. A um, couple of things real fast on, on the weekend before we get to the memorial uh, upcoming. <laughs> And there's another topic that broke right after last week um, that we need to talk about real fast. But so Spieth contends again, hit the ball like shit on the weekend. Um, I, at least I watched him on Saturday. A lot of that round. He, I, I can't, I'm trying to, this damn leaderboard won't load. I don't know what he shot on Saturday, but I do remember it was way lower than it should have been based off of what he hit. He was chipping in and, and making putts from all over the place. Had a great opening round. Here's a crazy stat, and this is more of a, not really a Jordan Spieth stat, but a uh, Tiger appreciation stat. Someone posted this this weekend. Spieth has now gone 10 for 20 in his PGA Tour career, converting a 54-hole lead, 50%. If you look at JT, DJ, Rory, they're all between 50 and 60% converting 54-hole leads in the last 10 years. The oh. Tour average... The last 10 seasons converting 54 hole leads is 35%. Mr. Tiger Woods oh. went 55 for 59 in converting 54. Like 90%. That is just absurd. I saw that this weekend. I was like, oh, I got to talk about this. That, that is just stupid. Um, but Spieth does not get it done this weekend. But here's a question I want to pose to you guys. Who is the best player in the world right now? You can take that as who's the number one player in the world or who. There's really no answer. <laughs> I mean, none of them are playing. Almost Spieth is really the answer as far as the last five, six months. DJ hasn't been doing it. And Brooks hasn't been doing it. And Justin Thomas hasn't been really playing that well for his standards. Rory hasn't been doing anything. I think I you're think right. You're, you're exactly right. I mean, I, and as far as I know, he has the best odds, or I'm sorry, the worst odds in Vegas right now. And it is. It if is. you're just looking at Jordan Spieth, and if you're just yeah. looking at the statistics, 
Um, I think he is arguably the best player in the world right now. Uh, I think it's one of those things where a lot of us are a little bit hesitant because of how quick he got there. But when you have a guy that relies on putting the way Jordan Spieth does, we know that those type of careers can be streaky. Now, when he's hot, buddy, he's hard to beat. Um, his short game is fantastic. And him putting from 20 feet, which is it's so funny when you when you talk to a lot of average golfers about the putting from 20 to 25 feet, people think tour players hit it way closer than they actually do because they show on TV all the good shots for the most part. Unless you're a top player, you get on TV when you stuff a shot. So people think guys hit a lot closer than they do. Jordan Spieth's philosophy on putting and practicing putting, I, I kind of I learned and I, I kind of adapted it myself. I'm not saying I put near like Jordan Spieth, but I will say it, there's a lot of sense that can be made from it. The amount of putts that we put on the regular basis, especially when you go out and putt, we put a lot of short putts. Um, and you see the average player doing that. Jordan said, well, I'm just going to practice a ton from 20 to 25 feet because, well, that's where the majority of putts are being struck from. The guy's number one from that distance, I think, or at least he was during his his run a couple of years ago. I'm sure his statistics now are pretty high in that uh, from that length. That and I think that's one of the things that's allowed him to kind of make this run. Well, yeah, like the last few few tournaments, you know, he's hit the ball really well. Even going back to the PGA, um, I forget what was before that. I don't know the Masters. Both those last two majors, he hit the ball unbelievably well from a strokes gain standpoint, and was like second to last both times on players that made the cut putting. So when he does get the putter going like he did this week and he hit it like dog shit compared to those other weeks, um, he comes in second. You know, he played with his his C game, if you will, his and, and came in second. But I, I don't know. It was more of a I'm really using Jordan Smith more as a, as a talking point to just talk about how inconsistent everyone else is right now. And there's really no like guy like, oh, he's the man to beat i mean i think if you had to if you had to make the call right this second it's between i mean if you're talking about a guy with a little bit more longevity you're probably got to go with rory he's probably the only other guy that's in that argument i love i love rory to death he's one of my favorite golfers but he's just hard to trust sometimes i couldn't agree more um when you expect a lot out of him he doesn't deliver um and when he's trending in the right direction sometimes he seems to falter so you know, totally. I, I mean, at Kiowa, was there Roy's, Roy's on going into that event? Go ahead, bud. Go ahead. I'm no, that, that's all I had. That's all I had. No, I just when Roy's on, like nobody can touch him. Nobody when he's in that, like, when he's in that mid man zone, like yeah. But how often is that? Huh? Tiger won. Roy wins with his a. You know, I guess so like I hate the fact <laughs> saying Tiger would. Oh my B game, A game bullshit, but. It's true. Like Tiger, the greats, the great greats, Tiger, Jack, Arnold, uh, Sneed, um, Hogan, these guys won with, and I missed a bunch, but they won with their, they could win with their B minus game, right? Like Rory, I feel like has to have it. It's got to be, everything's got to be perfect. All right. You know, or he doesn't, it doesn't click. He's got an A game or a C game. He doesn't have a B game. And when, when he has his A's, and when he has his A game, he wins by like six. Or seven. Yeah, it just yeah. dominates. Yeah, I think just one of the totally well, blows everybody out of the water, but his short iron game blows, he does I gotta be honest, his short iron game is atrocious for being as where he is and the and what he is like the fi- fact that he stands over a 120 yard shot, middle of fairway hits it at 40 feet. That's gross. I gotta be honest. 
Well, with that is, golf swing, that is arguably. I think that's attributed to. I think it's attributed <laughs> to how good of a long iron player he is, and, and as good of a driver he is. It's like, I, I agree. He should be better with his with his scoring clubs for sure. Um, but I think he is so good with his longer clubs. I mean, look. Look in the past. Look, who are the people that you think of as the greatest long iron players of all time? Well, I mean, Nicholas for one, but even Nicholas, beyond just even just beyond just the long iron. But league, but, but not, Jay, not, if he keeps just, driving the just, ball, he just will, long he iron plays, play. We won't be talking just, about Sergio. Yeah, we won't talk about Sergio, but just long iron play. Jack Nicholas is one of the best long iron players of all time, and this. If, this is arguably the no, second best good. player who could easily be. The best player of all time is Tiger Woods. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you you put those two guys together, and then you go down the list. I mean, and Rory McIlroy has got to be one of the best long iron players of all time. And I think his uh, his faults on his short iron play, or his uh, you know his shortcomings with his short iron play, are overshadowed with how good of a long iron player, long iron player, and uh, three wood player. And, you know, he doesn't use a hybrid, but like a driving, driving iron player. I mean, he's so good with those clubs. I think he makes up for how bad he is at sometimes with this, with the short arms, but, um, and he, and he's a streaky putter, which everyone, we all know. Yeah, absolutely. But I just, I don't know. I wish, I guess you wish some of these top guys are in more form, you know, and I, I know we, exactly, yeah. You know, that's that's what we would come and, and no one's ever gonna do what Tiger did and replicate his win percentage and be in contention that much, but just I don't know. It seems like right now you don't know who the hell is the favorite for anything. And that look, I, I I know I'm gonna sound like an old man, but like I think that some of that is this, you know, chasing the long ball, guys are just trying to hit it so effing hard that just it doesn't at the end of the day, like there there will there's repercussions for it, right? Yeah. You know, it's it's not you lose feel, guys. When the wind blows, or the you know, guys don't know how to just control their game, dial it back, put it put it yeah. in a bubble, right? And that's how they used to. Yeah. Jack could do it. I mean, uh, Faldo was amazing at it. Those guys that just could compartmentalize their situation, yeah, plot their way around. Now these guys stand up there into the wind. It's blowing thirty in their face or out of the right, and they're trying to hit. You know, just like. No, you're getting- no that, that that's a great point. I, I remember playing with my brother, little brother, um, when he was at Shout out, Paul. Shout out, Paul. Um, but his his one of his good buddies, Wes Eklund, and uh my actual my little cousin who played at Virginia Tech, all American there, and then played the web.com tour for a couple of years, Mikey Moyers. I mean, these guys were incredible players, but you know, I'd been on I'd been playing full time time for 10 12 years and i w- we were all sitting around dinner talking uh, it was just for the virginia state open the uh, night prior and i was like hey what's going over the wind and i was like where wh- where what direction is the wind coming out of tomorrow and they all looked at me like i was an idiot like i was speaking a foreign language and i was like do you don't know which way the wind's blowing tomorrow they're like no i was like i was like what you need to know that and they're like oh yeah you you're the old guy you have no clue what you're doing and i'm like i was like Guys, I was like, if you're if you're out on the golf course and you've got your yardage book, you've got the window, you've got the what where's where is north? Now, if you know that and you've got the wind direction for the day, like you you've got an advantage on your fellow players. Like it's a lot easier to know where the the common direction of the wind is as opposed to just 
throwing some grass up and just hoping, you know, that this is a tool for you to get an advantage over your playing partners. I mean, there's not a player on tour that does not know what the wind's doing for the day. I mean, every single one of those guys knows exactly what the wind's doing, which direction, not only which direction, but they know how the direction is going to switch throughout the day. Like, oh, I tee off at 9 a.m. The wind's going to be blowing out of the northeast. And then and as I move throughout the round, it's going to switch to the east, southeast. They, they know this 100%. It, it makes a difference. Like to know what hole you're going to be on and how the wind is going to shift, especially when it's blowing anything greater than, you know, five, six, seven, eight miles an hour. So, but, um, you know, Tiger, I, it, the only reason I bring that up is because I know for a fact Tiger used to get the map of the course back in the day when you didn't have Google Earth and whatever, he would get the map of the course and he would check the wind direction for the day and find out like, Hey, the wind's going to be blowing predominantly out of this direction for the day. And he would have the course map and he knew he's like, Hey, if I feel a little weird gust, I just wait for it. That's not, that's not the predominant wind for the day. And now I can make my, um, you know, my club's selection based off of what the, what I've researched. and. You gotta utilize the the, the yeah. tools to your advantage, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the, these guys aren't the, the Tiger is not he's not the best player in the world by chance. He's not. I mean, Phil Mickelson is not one of the best golfers of all time by chance. I mean, everyone looks at Phil Mickelson's interviews and they're like, "Oh, what a wacko!" Yeah, yeah, he is a wacko. He's a golf wacko, and he's way better than all of you guys. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. You love him or hate him. The guy's a he's the PGA championship. He's a, he's a savant. He's a golf savant. Like his golf IQ is off the charts. His IQ business. in general. His IQ. In he's general. been doing it since the early nineties, and he's yes, he's a weirdo, and he goes above and beyond. And it seems strange, but anything that's different, everyone's going to say is weird. But different can be great, and he is. He's a, he is definitely a strange guy, but he is great. I mean, he's won six majors. Did, is it seven or is it six? Six. 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 Okay, because I knew that Nick Faldo was this the mark at six, and and Phil tied him, which is kind of how about how about the fact that he won golf tournaments on the PGA Tour thirty years apart? Oh yeah, that's a new record that he just that that's unreal. I mean, if you. I mean, 20 to 50, right? Yeah, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with, you know, Steve, uh, Stuart Sink winning majors and, uh, or I'm sorry, not majors, winning a, a PGA Tour events in multiple decades. decades. But, you know, you can be in a, you can make in three decades and only be 12, 11, 12 years apart. But we're talking Phil Mickelson, 30 years from his first win to his last win, first win as an amateur. In the early nineties, I mean that's just calling. But like, fascinating. I wish he would pop his collar like he used to back in the day. You remember that? He used to pop it. He used I mean, to. Pop he used it. But to, it, he's got he confidence, dude. He's yeah. got he's he's got confidence in his ability, and he won that, something to be said for like having that. What he won? Like? He won like the Tucson confidence. Open as an amateur. He won the Tucson. Was that what it is? Tucson or something? Yeah. And he had that. Put the helmet like, on. Yeah, like this. And he's like, no, I don't need no damn hat. He's like, let the sun, let the, everybody see this yeah. face. Like this. It's, it's, it's I'm, and the I'm, listeners can't see it. It's pretty incredible. It's no, pretty no. incredible. Like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a huge <laughs> Phil Mickelson fan. Like, I don't know if we'd be buddies if I was out there, but you got to respect the guy. I mean, it's, it's, 
it's really incredible what he what he did to Actually, win. Actually, I own that. This, it's, it's awesome. I'm, I'm to go, right, for it. go for it. That. This yeah. we could, this could be a little fake times of strange. Jay Woodson is we all know Jay Woodson is one of the best athletes that's ever existed. And I don't know. My, talk, wife, so, my wife so, may be a better well, athlete than me. At yeah. least from Palatan. No, no, she is. She is a better athlete than you. Totally yeah. without you. Actually, y'all are both. You know, like she, like she like did a, just run a five four forty like at ten o'clock at night. Just kind of just like all right, I'm gonna put my track shoes on. Let's do this. And she could have easily. Close. She could have easily gotten close to five flat or even broken. Y'all two, yeah. you know, hooking oh. up. But uh, so Jay and Phil, who could do with a high kick? You think Jay can you high kick higher than Phil? I don't know. Phil's just actually pretty impressive. It's amazing. Yeah. If he activates the calves, it's a hell of a yeah activate competition. Okay, Jay, well, I'm pulling for you hard. I just just punch him in the stomach and then you know just go from there, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, what, what it, it's it's a lose lose for me here. Like I can pump myself up, and everyone's like, "Oh yeah, you're you're a knucklehead." He's a major six time major champion, but he's still got five hundred million. <laughs> yeah, I, I I I think I could hold my own in some physical competitions yeah. with Phil, and I know I'm he's bigger. bigger. He's about three inches taller than me. And he used to be a lot heavier than me, but he's not as heavy not anymore to me anymore. Okay, I'm gonna we're gonna I'm, go around I'm the creeping floor. on him. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna look. We're gonna go around the four, and I'm just gonna throw this out there, and everybody's gonna vote. And I don't want to hear a justification. I just want to hear a who you vote for. Okay. Um, paddleboard jousting, Jay and Phil Mickelson. Who you got, Mikey? Go. Who you got? Okay. McLean. Okay. Jay, I got Jay too. All right, so you win that one, Jay. Okay, That's Jay awesome. and Phil in a thumb war. But hold on, Phil's—he's right-handed, so it works. Okay, so you both would use your right hand. Thumb yeah, war, okay. Jay and Phil. 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 I'm gonna say Phil. Gonna- and this is this is my thumb we're talking about, but. <laughs> I mean, he. I, I've I, seen Jay I, try to type on a on a on an iPhone. It's terrible. Oh, he's, um, he's, he's not that's why he's just serious so much because he can't it's type scary. on it. I will say, I do have pretty, I do have pretty quick hands. They're pretty fast. <laughs> okay, here's another. But, okay. but th- if you watch Phil put his thumb up, and you watch that, it's, it, that doesn't even look right. Who like, hasn't even, watched that? It's, not, that it's like a robotic yeah, thumb. His thumb it's gets a, way more workout than yours does. Like his thumb is in peak. Physical condition. It no, look, is, I will is. say this. The only reason I'm going to the next I one is a, I, I do have a double jointed thumb, though. It, it I was throwing, I, I threw the football with Jay and my son threw the football this weekend. And Jay was throwing it with his left hand because his shoulder's still bad. And Jay's left hand throwing a football is better than 99% of everybody else on this planet with a right hand. So, next one is Jay and Phil with their op- – so, wait, Phil's right-handed, too. So Phil's right-handed, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be both your left hands playing table tennis. Not ping pong, table tennis. There's a difference. No, there's not. I know. I'm just kidding. Who you got? I'll take Jay. Phil's a really good ping pong player, though. So, but yeah, I got Phil. Damn. I got Phil. Phil, okay. Yeah. I would I would beat him. And okay. beat him. 100 yard dash is pretty easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll take right. Jay. Now, here it is. No, all like, Anything goes. Who could, who could dock a boat to the fight. death? To the death cage fight. Jay and Phil. <laughs> I mean, oh Jay, totally Jay. 
Jay. I, I, and I think it'd be over. If his shoulder was good, Jay. If not, then right now, Phil. With a bad shoulder. Jay kills him in 45 seconds. Oh, you guys are so nice. But yes, it would be 30, 30 seconds. 30. Now, Phil's a, Phil's a big dude. Phil's a big hey, dude. He's not small. He's big chief. Small, hard. Hard. He, I Six. also question that he's ever been in a fight. No, I don't think he's ever been in a fight. He's he looks like a nice guy, but I, I do I feel like Phil he's definitely competitive. I feel like he would hold his own. Yeah, but he's never been in a fight. Phil's never been punched in the face. Probably yeah. not. Probably. A lot of people want to punch him in the face, but he's never been punched in the face. <laughs> he's never been punched in the face. <laughs> All right. So out of the night. Way, way off topic tonight. We're missing yeah. like four of our points. Uh real fast. Uh Justin Thomas gave our boy Big Mike Vasaki a check. I haven't heard the amount, but uh, I guess they played a practice round together this week down at Colonial. Saki got a uh, sponsor's exemption. JT wanted to help him out and gave him a check. So good on you, JT. And uh, we hope that's awesome. Keeps keeps doing his thing. We never yeah. got to the Brooks and Bryson thing. That wow. actually broke right after we stopped recording last week. It came through our phones. The whole Brooks Kepka leaked video from the Golf Channel rolling his eyes. I watched it like 30 times. It was wonderful. You now can't find it because the golf channel and the PJ tour has stripped it from the internet. But the I memes, the memes that came out over the week, we were sending a bunch to each other. were just awesome. Like I said, the internet is just undefeated and those kind of things. It's amazing, but I think it's a good thing. I hope golf actually kind of embraces it. I, I do hope it doesn't home. get contrived. I don't put want it to be contrived. Home. Who's who is Brooks Kepka as big asshole as he seems he is, or is, is Bryson the bad? Who's the bad guy? Who's the bad guy? I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I, I'm kind of favoring Bryson DeChambeau right now. I agree. I, I feel like I, I think they're both. I, I think they like both either. have their own. Yeah, their I don't own. know who to favor. Yeah, I'm 50-50 on it. I like. I'll be quite honest. I'm just looking forward to tuning in. I don't even really have a dog in the fight. Yeah, I I, I hate I just both. Like to see the the. It's like watching Mayweather and uh, Jake Paul. Yeah, I hate both guys. I just want to watch it. Do not talk about Jake Paul. Let's not give him any more media than the guy gets. It's a waste of air. Amen. All right, so let's let's get into this week's picks. We skipped picks last week, so let's get back into it this week. Um, Big tournament this week, boys. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. The Memorial at Muirfield Village, um, probably because I work there. So spent a year there, not a year there, but Spent a season there and uh, just an amazing golf course. And Jack has redone the whole place. I don't know if you remember last year. They hosted back-to-back weeks last summer, pretty much right out, almost right out of um, the quarantine break that they had. They hosted the Workday, which was a kind of a new event, looking for a, a spot, then the Memorial. And while the leaders, I think it was what, Ron that won last year? The leaders were on the yeah. back nine, and the maintenance crew was tearing up the greens on the front nine. Yeah. Construction had already started before the tournament ended last year in June. And so uh, he's done a ton of renovations. I was, I was kind of watching some videos and reading some things today. He's, he's lengthened the course by about 175 yards, changed a lot of the bunkering, moved some greens, changed some greens. So it'll be interesting to see um, for myself, having played it uh, a bunch when I was there, to see what, what exactly some of the changes are. I know some of the greens he made smaller, some of the greens he made larger and flatter to, to get more hole locations. And um, anyways, I, I just love the event because I work there, but it is a ball strikers golf course, you know, kind of a traditional 
Jack, second shot golf course. So um, what are you boys looking forward to this week? I, I, you hit the nail on the head. I was just doing some research. on. I realized he did that much work, but um, he recontoured 14 of the 18 greens. Yeah. 14 of the 18 greens. The only ones that he left the same were 12, 13, 14, and 17. Um, it's a different golf course, right? That's, that's, it's a completely different golf course. So, you know, again, we're going to get into our picks, but you, you kind of negate a little bit of uh, the guys with the past experience, um, you know, on the course a little bit. You know, again, the the course favors the guys who drive the ball well and they're great iron players um, and they can be average putters. Um, so you almost need better short def- game around the greens than you actually need on the greens. Yeah. If you're, if you're a great, um, if you're, if you're a great driver of the golf ball and you're a great iron player and you've got a decent short game, you can be an average putter and and win. I mean, here's the PGA tour. I mean, it is what it is. We've done the yep. stats. I've, I've, I've proclaimed it over and over and Mikey keeps calling it out, but the best ball strikers win. It is what it is. Um, just don't be the worst putter. <laughs> yeah. You're the best driver and you're the best iron player and you're the Speed. average putter. You're, you're going to make a couple million every year and you'll keep your card and you may even win a major here or there. Uh, if you're the best putter and you suck at ball striking, you better be as good a putter as Brad Faxon. But if you're not good luck. Yep, absolutely. So, I mean, it played, you know, it'll be curious to see how firm, the golf course is typically new greens are pretty firm. And it was, if you remember last year for the Memorial, it was playing really firm and fast. It was like a major out there. It was, it was hard. It was single digits under par won the event. So it, it plus is always in pristine condition. There's never a blade of grass out of place. I, I don't think that will change even with essentially a new golf course. Yeah. So, um, all right. Who wants to go first with their picks? Uh, right, go. Just no one go for it. Go I'll for go. it, Mikey. All right, so I'm going to go – I'm going to start with my bottom. I went way down the board for this guy. Kind of sentimental. I went to school with him. $6,100. Kyle Stanley from Classic. Are you serious? We're on the same same tip already, huh? He's been playing well the last couple of weeks. He's a ball striker, not a great putter. Uh, it's also an ode to Clemson. Uh Shout out to Turk uh, Pettit from Clemson, won the individual, the NCAA men's uh, national championship team didn't make match play, but uh, Clemson did run away with the, or come out with the, uh, the individual champ there. But uh, Kyle Stanley, 6,100, again, just a ball striker, been playing well as of late, uh, way better than early in the year, top 10 finish just this past weekend. So I uh, went way uh, down. Hold on, Mike, and I apologize, but when you mentioned that, Shout out to Larry Penley. Yeah, absolutely. On the Mount Rushmore of college golf. Yeah, Please Coach Penley is retiring. Picks. He has done 38 years at Clemson. Made the Nationals 37 of his 38 years at Clemson. Won 10 ACC championships. College golf Hall of Famer. Countless number of PGA Tour players came out of that program and won out there. A couple major winners. So, yeah, good on uh, Larry Penley and uh, Jordan Bird taking over. Jonathan Bird's brother taking over the program there. At oh, wow. So he's been the coach Penley's assistant for a long time. So he was kind of the rightful one to step in there. So back to my team. I'm then going up $6,800. Another ball striker who's been playing pretty well as of late, Alex Norin. Mm-hmm. Again, mm-hmm. just uh, just kind of going off ball striking in recent form there. 
Then I go up to this is kind of a risky pick. I just I just got a feeling. I'm a little nervous about this pick. Eight thousand dollars. Ricky Fowler mm. has been playing terrible. He had a good PGA Championship, his last event at on tough tough golf course, finished top ten, and he does play Muirfield well again. Jay just said he, you lose some of the past experience there with how much has been redone, but I think being back on property, I'm going to expect him to play fairly well. He's not going to win the event, but um, still going to be a tough golf course. Yeah, it's still going to be a tough golf course and, you know, good vibes there. So we're going to go Ricky Fowler. That was pretty he risky. Cut by three. <laughs> you say that every time I pick someone on my team, like every week. And then, um, and then I'm going to go up 8,300 Charlie Hoffman. Good, solid year, like usual. He's been on a great run. You know, um, finish what? Like the most, one of the most loved guys out there. Not everybody just love him. I mean, look at his, his recent finishes. He finished third last week. 17th, 18th, 18th, 2nd, 34th, 17th, 10th. I mean, the guy's playing well. Again, is this? Charlie Hoffman. Oh, yeah. You know, 8,300. That's a, that's a steal. Hits the ball really well. Playing well. Going there. And then my two studs, uh, one of these two guys is going to win. Victor Hovland, Jay's guy. It's like on Jay's team every week. Every 99. Week. You want probably, probably not going to change gonna this And then Colin Morikawa, $10,400. I just, again, I went with a lot of average putters. And average might be nice with a couple of these guys. And just pure ball strikers. Morikawa's been playing well. Hovland's been playing well. Um, so, yeah, that's my team. Love it. But I think the Hovland or Morikawa wins. Simple as that. McLean. All right. So I went with – I didn't go with the top guy this week. I didn't even go with one of the top, top guys. Uh, my top guy, though, however, is DMX, Xander Shoffle at $9,700. Then I went with well. the guy who, who broke ground at Muirfield – um, with a guy who we know as is an incredible ball striker in Hideki Matsuyama. Um, yep. I, 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 like I like him a lot this week. I know there's some changes to the golf course, but he's one of those guys that I think, you know, he's going to be, I don't think the lines have changed that much. He's going to be able to recall off of that. Um, a guy who drives the ball and, and hits his irons extremely well. Uh, so we'll see if his putter hangs in there. I think he'll probably make the cut and hopefully contend if the putter's hot, but we'll see where he goes from there. Uh, moving down, a guy who's been playing really, really well as of late, um, Keegan Bradley. Yeah, I had him on my team and deleted him. Man, his last few starts, I'm going to run this list down um, through March 4th at the AP Invitational. So starting at Bay Hill, he finished 10th. Moved at the Players 29th, at the Honda 30th, at the Valero 23rd, at the Valspar he finished 2nd, at the Wells Fargo he finished 18th, and at the PGA he finished 17th. Um, so the guy seems to have really found something with the arm lock. It looks like, you know, he's been all, he's always been known as a guy who's, who's putted well. It seems like he's found finally over this time period um, some success with the putter now, a little bit more confidence, and we're starting to see that uh, that hole look a little bigger, and he's starting to see some uh, some balls fall in, and uh, basically that hole just seems to be getting in the way all of a sudden. Um, moving down, I was like a great night. Australian toe crack and Mark Leishman, um, Australian bullfrog. I apologize, seventy eight hundred. 
Uh, another guy I think who the guy could just play well anywhere. I think he's got a game that just travels really well. So I like him at 7,800. Uh, moving on from there, we go back to the Georgia Tech alum, Cameron Tringali. Uh, guys, 14 and 19 cuts made, four top tens. He finished 32nd at the Charles Schwab. Uh, 67, 69, He's going to wash some serious stank off, though, from how we missed the cut at uh, Kiowa. We talked about that. I, I don't – that doesn't even that doesn't even register for me. I, I know it's a thing, but Kiowa was a course that you can shoot 80 t- 82 on just like that. Um, he shot 70, 82. He was in it. He made that 10. That, that golf course is an anomaly. Um, that golf course can do that to you. So I don't think that's something that even registers. His nine holes look like a phone number. Uh, exactly right. He was dialing long distance. That's a hundred percent correct. It was an international um, call. But a tough. guy prior to that, so prior to that, you know, like he cut at the wells, but he finished third at Valspar, ninth at Valero, thirteenth at the Honda. So he's seen some good golf in his recent past as well. Um, moving down from there, my final pick had to go with the old man himself, Stuart Sink. Oh, the Hall of Famer, Stuart Sink. I think. Uh, Bro, uh, just look at his numbers. He's probably got fourteen clubs like in the bag too. I don't. I don't care. Like I like I say in fittings, the only number we don't measure in fittings is age. And little buddy, the guy's posting scores and cashing checks. He is cashing checks. He's cashing checks right now. Come on. All right, Tom. Okay, guys. Um, I went with a little different approach this week. Okay. I so can't I, wait. I decided to start from the bottom. And I stayed there, okay? Because I just, like, some of these guys. And know, I stayed there. You know, kind of down where I live. So I just wanted to uh, throw some love to some of these guys, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with Willie, Mag- Millie, Willie McGirt, okay? $6,000. Willie McGirt. Shout out Fairmont, North Carolina. Did, didn't he win there? He's a past winner. That is correct. See? Okay, so that's. Barrett McGirt. That is my best pick, okay? So he's. um. We ain't got no top tens on the on the record yet this year, Willie. But we we got we're gonna start this week, okay? So next, I'm going with Jim Herman. Jim Herman. He he doesn't have any top tens. The old Herman. He's Cincinnati's uh, finest. Say yeah, exactly, Jim Herman. All right. So then we're going to next. I'm going. I'm going to go across the seas. We're going to Hao Tong Lee. Hao Tong Lee. So Hao Tong Lee is Hao Tong Lee is has no top tens. He hasn't made a cut either. Wow. This, what? You're really convincing us as to why you picked on, But I wow. think hey, all the week. listeners write this down. This is going to be the week for him. Okay. All right. So next I'm going with just a veteran of the game that really has been there. Knows how to win. Brian Gay. Okay. Brian Gay. He's got one top 10. He's doing well. So he's who, who the hell are, that's four picks that no one's ever heard of. Who are the other two? Did you pick the top two guys on the list? No, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just goofing around. I'm sorry, I, I told you I started at the bottom. I was at the <laughs> you started at the very bottom. I'm looking at this you now. At the very Wait, what the fuck see. are you doing? Okay, I was, go- I was building to something. Okay, build so it look, up, build it up, build it up. My next two picks are KJ Choi and Tyler McCumber. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, this is what I propose. Okay, how much money do you have <laughs> remaining? Fourteen thousand dollars. <laughs> Look, I'm just a little side bet, okay? You guys, so of my six picks. <laughs> Have you picked anyone side? over $6,100 yet? No, no, absolutely not. That's the most expensive <laughs> guy I had with Brian Gay was 6100 
<laughs> but hold on. This is what I propose, okay? So, of my six, how many are you going to make the cut? We're going to have a little side action, okay? One Over-under is one and a half. One, okay? So, I say two. I'll, I'll go two, okay? <laughs> two are going to make the cut. Two are going to make the cut. And one will finish in the top 50. <laughs> oh, wow. Don't wow. get too bold Man. here. Jeez. And hey, Jay, he couldn't, okay, he couldn't even afford Peter Malnati at 6,300. Actually, uh, I, I he could afford anyone. Finding guy. I know better. Oh, oh, yeah. guy is, what, a great, know. Wow. what a great That's, short game. Man. So you guys scared. Okay, so what I'm basically – so I say two are going to make the cut. Y'all don't think two will? I'll take the opposite side of that. I'll take less than two. Okay. How, so, how much you want? So, no. So when I'm up at your house in a couple weeks, uh, loser does dishes. Who says we're cooking? I can take out, dude. Well, then the loser buys dinner. <laughs> All right. Loser buys dinner. Done. Red yeah. salt. Good. Red All salt. Right. Next. All right. Jay Bird. Last up. Yep. I have got... Um, I, I I dove into the Clemson bandwagon here. Kyle Stanley at 6,100. Um, Mikey, I know you picked him. That's That's... You know, he's been playing pretty decent. 100, that's pretty expensive. Yeah. No, 61. <laughs> <laughs> but he finished eighth last week and uh 26th, 39th the week prior, and then 14th another week. I mean, he's you know, string strung together a couple good rounds. So at 6100, that's a pretty good bet. If he has a good week and finishes top 10, top 15, that could pay off. Um, Louis Ustay's been he's been playing great. As a late, obviously, uh, no need to explain that. Um, and then Hideki Matsuyama, 9,400, um, won three weeks ago, obviously, at the Masters. Incredible. Um, and, you know, he finished 23rd last week at the PGA. But, you know, great player in the moments there at a big course like this. Great iron player, high towering iron shots, which is great on uh, – uh, Mirafield Village with the, you know, again, I know they reshaped, Jack reshaped some of these greens, but I'm sure they're going to be super firm. The whole point of him reshaping these greens was to make sure these he had the sprinkler system and in, in the, what, a little bit of sub air. It was, it's not like what they have at, at the Masters, but accordingly, apparently he, um, he, he did some work there to make sure that he can keep these greens as dry as he wants, keeps them, keep them as firm as he wants. So, Hideki, I feel like, has is, is got a leg up on that. Um, and, you know, again, and we've talked about the strengths of this golf course, driving the ball and play, um, great iron player, uh, pro shots into the green, putting it, even as undulating as these greens are and um, not not quite as a, as big of a deal here. Um, so Hideki's on the list. He's probably going to win. I'm just saying. He's the man. Like, I, like he's, he's, he's one win. of my favorites out there. I love watching that guy. I love his – Demeanor, uh, everything. About yeah, I, I think he's cool. He's a cool cat. I, I, I like watching him play. Um, and then I snuck in Keegan, who's obviously been playing a lot of really good golf lately. Um, you know, a bunch of top 30s in the last uh, five or six events. Uh, Ricky Fowler, I snuck in here. And this was, this was a kind of a, you know, I wasn't super confident in it. Um, but everything was telling me that he was trending in the right direction. He did play well at the Byron Nelson the first round and then just had a, a couple of bad shots on the second round of the Byron Nelson um, shot 72 and missed the cut. Um, 
or it was one of those do not uh well no way he finished i'm sorry he played round one and round two i didn't know if it was one of those three rounds where you know they the overextended cut but um he obviously played well last week at the pga championship finishing eighth or two weeks ago so i'm gonna give him another shot see if he's on the on the mend here and um last pick here is victor hovland i just like the guy i don't know what else to say you I'm love sorry. that guy we are I three of the same guys I do too. That guy's just tough to bet on. I mean, his his short game around the greens is just yeah. Do we have the exact guy. same lineup, Mikey? Oh, we got Almost. three of the same guys though. Oh. Yeah, both both losers. <laughs> you guys are both. Gonna I'm pretty sure Jay and I have won the most of these this year. So yeah, just saying. I I am the reigning champion though. Okay, that's great. <laughs> I remember the first time I won something too. That was cool. <laughs> you guys are gonna be so upset when I win this week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Elementary hey, school. I will, I'll pay you an extra ten dollars if you win, Tom. Actually, yeah. Yeah, you I got know. I'll I'll put thin on that for sure. But all right. I, so I all think Jim Herman just tried to I think Jim Herman just tried to sell me insurance like a week ago. I think he's is he yeah. still playing? He's back. trying to sell he's me a, a used game. game. Try to sell me a used car. He's still uh, playing. He's a good dude. So, uh, all right. Thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate it. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. McLean and I yelling at each other. It seems to be a hit. And always um, a hit. <laughs> it's always a hit. You know, some little, you know, friends cussing at each other. What's what's better than that? So, again, thanks to all of our listeners. Please like, subscribe, share, download, tell your friends. I know I need to do the DraftKings and make it open to the public so the masses can join us. I will work on that for next week. Um, I don't know what the tournament is after Memorial, but we'll do that for next week. We'll get it going. It's the we'll U.S. Open. Oh, it is the U.S. Two open. Weeks. No, two, yes. yeah, two let's weeks. Let's do that. Let's, yeah. let's make our first one the U.S. Open. Let's first one will be the U.S. Open. Yes. We're going to run with all this. Right. Okay. We're gonna, we've, we've already given out all of our free hats. I think, or the one of us, the, the three of us that are generous on this podcast, um, McLean still got half of his in the, or all of them in the plastic bag. Cause he's not giving them away, but, um, I still have two left. I still have two left. All right. Away. So, so we'll, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll get this open up to the public and have all of our listeners join and DraftKings will love us. Cause we make so much money off this. So, but we'll work on that. Thanks Thank for you. tuning in guys. Everyone have a great night and we'll see you down the road.